Welcome to the Ground Game Podcast. I'm your host, Bushido Squirrel, and today I'm going to be doing a little special deep dive for y'all. For this episode, I want to step back from Los Angeles and look at an issue that has become nearly constant, but one that is being almost completely ignored by larger media outlets. It is no stretch to say that California is on the front line of what is an existential threat, an existential threat of our own making, no less. So today, I'm talking climate change and wildlife. Now to those wildfires that are raging out west, the number is growing. At least 66 active fires are burning this morning. Right now, 18 wildfires are burning across the state. Some are less than 100 acres, but the sheer number of fires is causing a drain on firefighting resources. Morning officials are warning that some hot, dry weather could mean some very tough days ahead for firefighters. New video provides an aerial view of a so-called fire NATO. It's essentially a rotating column of fire that formed in Shasta County producing tornado-like winds last week in Redding. Those conditions left behind damaged rooftops, uprooted trees, and left pieces of metal strewn about. All right, after studying the damage, they determined they had winds up there at about 143 miles per hour. We're talking in the neighborhood of an EF3 tornado. As of recording, there are 20 active wildfires burning in California. There's one fully contained fire, which doesn't mean it's extinguished. It, it just means that it's controlled and should extinguish itself without causing too much further harm. In the U.S., there are currently 98 large active fires, encompassing 1,214,777 approximate acres across 14 states. Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Florida, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Oregon, Texas, Utah, Washington, and Wyoming are all experiencing major fire incidents that involve tens of thousands of firefighters. Smoke spreads across the Greek capital, carrying fear of what the summer may bring. Around Athens, fires have engulfed several towns. Homes have burned to the ground. The hillsides no match for the raging flames. Still fresh in the country's memory are the devastating 2007 wildfires. More than 80 people died as fires burned for days across Greece. Over a decade later, firefighters know it's a race against time, with unforgiving flames destroying everything in their way. Now, to be clear, this isn't a problem isolated to the United States. Sweden and Greece are both experiencing destructive wildfires at this time. Ninety people were killed in Greece during a devastating series of fires that tore through popular coastal towns near the capital of Athens. And again, this isn't completely unnatural. Sweden has dense forests that experience seasonal fires, and the hot, dry Greek climate makes summer fire season a regular occurrence. But the scope, scale, and impact of these fires is greater than modern history has seen. Wildfire season is now an international crisis, requiring massive responses across both the U.S. and at the EU. Chief, the New York Times reports this weekend that since 2012, there has not been a month without a wildfire burning. Given the fact that you have 12,000 firefighters fighting nine fires, do you have the resources you need given the unprecedented and unrelenting nature of these fires? Yeah, so, you know, we call this the new normal in California, and we've seen larger and more destructive fires year over year, and unfortunately this year doesn't look to be any different. Now, California generally sees large wildfires starting in August and lasting through to about November. But these last few years have seen fire season begin earlier and last longer. This year, the largest fire broke out in early July, a full month before fires of that size are expected. 
Last year's Thomas fire was the largest fire ever recorded in California history, burning 440 square miles, destroying 1,043 structures, forcing more than 100,000 people to evacuate, and eventually costing $204 million to fight. More than 8,500 firefighters were mobilized, making this one of the biggest mobilizations in California history. Property losses are estimated to be at least $120 million. After the fire, mudslides continued to devastate the area. As the climate shifts, the knock-on effects become more pronounced. Drought means fewer roots to hold down soil. Fires thin that structure even more. Heavy rains lead to mudslides. Overall, 2017 saw $10 billion in damage across the state. The most expensive fire season, well, and until we get to the end of 2018, probably. Economically and environmentally, the costs accumulate quickly. Of the 10 biggest fires recorded in California history, seven of them happened after 2000, and six of those happened after 2007. That means that 60% of the largest fires that have been recorded in more than a century occurred in the last decade, with three of the top four occurring in 2012 or later. If we expand this list to the top 20 biggest fires, then 14 of them happened after the year 2000. The trend lines are unmistakable. As climate change progresses, we are seeing more frequent and more destructive fires. Unfortunately, this new normal uh, is kind of upon us in California. Uh, more deadly, more destructive fires more often. Um, and, it's, and it's obviously uh, uh, requiring additional resources, not just from California, but from throughout the United States to, to get ahead of it. This is the predictable outcome of our grand experiment to flood the atmosphere with CO2 and other greenhouse gases. To pump as much waste as we can into the upper atmosphere, doing untold damage to the ecosystem and its natural cycles. Across the globe, an average temperature rise will lead to bigger swings in weather. More prolonged droughts, more ferocious rainy seasons, bigger hurricanes, colder winters, essentially an ecosystem that is out of balance. Here we see this in the sudden swing from wet to dry years, a, quote, climate whiplash effect that makes fire prevention far more complicated. Sudden new growth will quickly desiccate and become fuel. As more infrastructure abuts nature, it is likely that the property losses and death tolls of future fires will be higher. As of this hour, the firefighters are not in danger, but the Ferguson fire seemingly more unpredictable than ever as it now spreads towards Badger Pass. With more than 77,000 acres burned and new evacuations in the Merced Canyon and El Portal areas, fire officials calling this day one of the most active of the 22. It's a devastating site. We are west of I-5 off Highway 299 off Buena Ventura Boulevard. One of the many homes in this community just leveled. The flames you're seeing behind me almost on every property. These are gas lines. That hiss that you're hearing, gas lines in flames, still a volatile situation. There are new evacuations in Lake County tonight where the ranch fire is wrapping its way around the eastern shore of Clear Lake. The fire now covers an area the size of San Jose and is just 28% contained tonight. To bring this into focus in the present, the Car Fire, Ferguson Fire, and Ranch Fire are together burning nearly a quarter million acres in California. Redding, California saw almost 1,000 structures destroyed, six deaths, and 10,000 firefighters deployed to fight one fire. It is not a coincidence that record-tying temperatures preceded the start of the seventh largest fire in modern history, and it, it may move up the list still. There's still time. And this is becoming a constant. This notion that every year we will see new records set for the sizes of fire, the hottest temperatures during the day and night, the damage done. If you feel like it's been hotter these last few years, then congrats. The data agree. California is seeing hotter temperatures which last longer, and not just seasonally, but daily. 
Temperatures at night no longer dip as low as they used to. Instead of vegetation being able to rebuild stores of moisture, it is simply slowly drying out further and further, providing a fast-burning and available fuel for either natural or human ignition. In 1895, the average maximum daily temperature in California during the summer was 87.5 degrees Fahrenheit. In 2017, it was 91.1 degrees Fahrenheit, a 4% increase. Temperatures during the night have shown the same trend, rising from 56.5 degrees in 1895 to now 61.9 degrees. The effects of this increase are stark. This is a global phenomenon. Remember, Europe is also experiencing a hotter and drier summer than normal. The outbreak of wildfires across the continent, from the Arctic Circle to the Mediterranean Sea, is directly connected to these seasonal changes. Long dry periods and short wet periods are the new normal, and a new normal that brings dangerous consequences. The car fire and the ranch fire are both burning in areas that are in the 99th percentile for energy release from dry vegetation. In layman's terms, everything is dry and ready to burn. The Ferguson fire is burning in an area with vegetation in the 97th percentile. This is the case across most of the state. The problem that we face now is not how do we prevent the worst effects of climate change, it is how do we mitigate them. With millions of acres of potential fuel, the question takes on a special urgency for California. An urgency that is made more dire by the knowledge that it is global. Our local efforts can only do so much. No amount of action in California is going to reverse the global release of greenhouse gases that has brought us here. Making history at the UN in New York. As Earth Day was being observed around the planet, a record number of countries signed the historic Paris Accord to slow global warming. But from an environmentally active actor, this warning. We can congratulate each other today, but it will mean absolutely nothing if you return to your countries and failed to push beyond the promises of this historic agreement. On these issues and so many more, we're following through on our commitments. And I don't want anything to get in our way. I am fighting every day for the great people of this country. Therefore, in order to fulfill my solemn duty to protect America and, and its citizens. The United States will withdraw from the Paris Climate Accord Thank you. Thank you. The Paris Climate Accord aimed to keep the total global temperature increase to less than 2 degrees Celsius. But that goal will not be met. Instead, the prediction is for 4 degrees of warming. Even with only 2 degrees of warming, there are massive environmental and societal impacts. Coastal areas will shrink. Arable land will diminish. Droughts will become more frequent. Storms will strengthen. Now, I'm not qualified to really dive deep into the climate science, but I want to set up my actual subject. If California is on track to experience more massive, destructive fires year over year, then what does our response look like? How are we as a state, a county, and a city oriented to address these issues? 
Cal Fire is the state-level agency that coordinates and manages fire response for most of California's wildland. Founded in 1895, the service has gone through several name changes. Currently, its full name is the California Department of Forestry and Fire Prevention. Now, Cal Fire manages 31 million acres and is the largest full-service, all-risk fire department in the western United States, and nationally the second largest behind New York's fire department. It has an annual budget of about $2 billion, with about half of that or slightly less than $1 billion devoted to wildland fire protection. For 2018, that number will almost assuredly be more than $1 billion. CAL FIRE has around 5,400 permanent employees, around 1,800 seasonal employees, around 5,400 volunteers, and uses about 3,500 inmates as crew members. The current director is Ken Pimlot, a Governor Jerry Brown appointee, as this is a state cabinet-level position. Every year, CAL FIRE crews respond to more than 5,000 incidents, but only about 2% of those responses are for wildland fires. For large fires like the Car Fire, often help is called in from other states. Right now, there are 16 states assisting CAL FIRE on the CAR FIRE alone. Likewise, California sends equipment and crews to other states when needed. We have a large fleet of firefighting aircraft, and we are looking to expand that by spending $100 million on new planes and helicopters, capacity that will almost certainly be put to use. Let's just look at some of these numbers real quick, because the scale of these budgets, the number of incidents, the total amount of destruction are mind-bogglingly big. So out of a $2 billion budget, $1 billion is spent on fighting wildland fires alone, and a large fire like the Car Fire can cost $250 million to fight. Think about that. One major incident could eat up a quarter of the wildland fire budget and require nearly two-thirds of CAL FIRE's crews to contain. On top of the cost to fight the fire, one of these large fires can cause more than $100 million in property damage alone, and that is to say nothing of the cost of lives risked or the health hazards that come with fires, smoke and particulates, and all the chemicals from building materials, pesticides, and what have you choking the lungs of healthy people and wreaking havoc on those with respiratory problems. In 2017, there were 9,560 wildfires in California, about 2,000 more than in 2016. Year over year, California's population continues to grow. As our cities, suburbs, and exurbs push out into the wilderness, we will see more structures lost to monster fires driven by climate conditions that will prevail for decades. More destructive fires will demand a more robust response. A key component of California's response has been reliance on crews of inmates working for a dollar an hour. So to be fair, baseline they earn $2 a day, which is still far below the $10.50 an hour that the professional firefighters on their lines earn. And the work is essentially the same. The danger is the same. The effort is the same. But what is for a professional another step in their career is for the inmate dangerous labor with little payoff. Inmate fire crews have been fighting wildland fires since 1915, but permanent camps for inmate crews weren't established until 1946. These 39 conservation camps are run by the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation, CDCR, and can house up to 4,522 adult inmates and 80 juvenile inmates. From the official website, quote, in an average year, the conservation camp program provides approximately 3 million person hours responding to fires and other emergencies and 7 million person hours in community service projects, saving California taxpayers approximately $100 million. Now, it's not hard to see a degree of classism in the way that this labor is used. When inmate crews are working in life-risking conditions to save neighborhoods full of mansions in Montecito or in Mendocino, one has to wonder if those homeowners aren't directly profiting from a mass incarceration system that they will probably never face. 
This source of cheap labor is well used by the state. Inmate crews often pull 24-hour shifts during fires. It's far cheaper than paying full employees a rate 10 times or 15 or 20 times higher in the case of overtime. These crews are not dormant during the rest of the year either, though. Each year, camp crews work on maintenance and prevention projects across the state. They fix trails, create fire breaks, remove debris from high-risk fire areas. Basically, 12 months a year, these crews are at work, literally trying to earn their freedom. There is a host of stipulations as to who is eligible to serve in conservation camps. Violent and sexual offenders are barred, as is anyone with a history of attempted escapes. In 2017, the state expressed concern that it was having a hard time keeping the camps staffed. And in 2014, California's Attorney General's office argued against prison realignment partially on the grounds that these inmate crews are integral to firefighting efforts, and without a ready supply of inmates, the state would not be able to afford the price of full-time employees. Which is a little bit of a strange argument to make. That we should be keeping people in jail in greater numbers because we need a cheap source of labor to defend our homes. That seems like a devil's bargain and a terrible, terrible trade-off. Now, depending on an inmate's conviction, they may be eligible after release to become professional firefighters. But even if they are barred from that career, they are still risking their lives alongside the professionals. While the state argues that this is an opportunity for inmates, the question always looms in the air, how much of a choice do you actually have in prison? This first week of August is the start of the traditional fire season, despite the fact that large fires have been burning since June. It looks as though summer is going to be long and fiery, another dry season churning the dead plants into smoke. I'm sure we'll be shown amazing pictures of the scope of the fire, the plumes of smoke that reach out over the Pacific Ocean, the fire tornadoes racing down hills, but none of these images can truly capture a planet in crisis. Here in California, we face unique dangers, and while the state has pledged $1 billion this year to prevent and fight wildland fires, that money can only go so far. As climate change races towards its zenith, we can expect the human, ecological, and economic costs to rise. We can expect to see inmates putting their lives on the line to protect our communities. We can expect another year full of pledges to honor the bravery of the firefighters on the front lines. But what we can't expect is an actual solution. At best, California will be able to mitigate the damage somewhat. I'm not here to end on a hopeful message, because ultimately there isn't one. This is the new normal. This is what we as a species have made. Now the question is, do we broaden our perspective to protect everyone, or do we allow our selfish myopia to foreclose any call to solidarity? Our future as a state, as a city, is obscured by that smoke and debris. Our leaders in Sacramento and City Hall are hobbled. Our leaders in Washington are willfully blind. It's incumbent on each of us to build our communities to protect and love our neighbors. Only that kind of leadership will save us. Thank you very much for listening to this little mini rant that I went on. If you would like to check out my sources or find out how to donate to relief efforts, please visit knock-la.com. And don't worry, I'll be back next week with all sorts of good interviews. But in all seriousness, climate change is the number one issue of the day, and it should be on the tips of our tongues. We have to do everything we can to begin building a society that's going to be able to survive the crisis that we have created. So never, never lose your sense of outrage.